Hello. I just want to say thank you very much for all the plays. Um, and I really appreciate it. And I'm glad you guys are enjoying the podcast. Um, on today's um, podcast, I wanted to talk about um, a topic that's really dear to my heart. And it's one that I have been uh, trying to heal from. And it's the topic of how all the relations, relationship rather, between shame and being a perfectionist. And I wanted to explain, I know most of us know what shame feels like, um, maybe on a not on a daily basis, um, but occasionally when we don't achieve or we don't reach a target or something like that, it kind of comes about but um it has its extreme forms and um if you don't if you don't um have an awareness you can quickly um become or kind of um get into this horrible cycle of um of avoiding to feel shame so you become um so the pursuit of perfectionism in your life um then becomes in it in becomes uh extreme and also rigid and you become endlessly um you know tired and frustrated or i like the fact that um i like the fact that um <laughs> i remember searching it online once and I I listened to Louise Hay also an American motivational speaker and she's fabulous if you haven't discovered Louise Hay I think I mentioned her in all my podcasts Um, but she's someone who healed a lot of uh, trauma and a lot of damage and a lot of um uh, abuse that was um done to her in her lifetime and she shared a lot of her experiences with us which is why you know um, most of us have read her books or listened to her um audio um audio on youtube i know i have been listening for the past 10 years and i have i don't know where i would be without without Louise Hay's um, motivation, I I really found, I was just on uh, YouTube one day, maybe it was like 12 years ago, and one of her audio books or, or one of her audio um, just popped up for some reason, and um, I saw it as a sign from the, from from God that I I needed I probably needed healing or help and so that video it was just recommended to me I didn't even search for it that's the funny part um and I really do believe um when people say what is for you or if something um was supposed to be shown to you you would not miss it I I love that concept um so she deals with everything self love um 
just she said if you just um love yourself and respect yourself and really value yourself everything else seems to fall off whether it's shame or blame or excuses or the victim mindset or whatever it is whether it's success or marriage or children or whatever it is you're trying to achieve it seems to it seems to find you when you love yourself and if i ever um in the 12 years i've been listening to her talks and i've read all her books and i listen to her affirmations at night on my ipad when i'm sleeping because it goes into the subconscious mind and it changes the um the behavior from that level so it's important that you listen to it and uh, she has so much so much work that she left behind and i i am forever eternally grateful um that she has left us that body of work that we can pass on to our own families and anyone that needs healing um so when she was dealing with the topic of shame she just said don't criticize don't do anything else but just love yourself and appreciate yourself the other thing she said was practice self compassion self kindness and remember that all these feelings that we have are also common in humanity so the common humanity that you know other people are also feeling this and also experience or anything that we experience maybe not to the degree that we experience because um everyone's life is um slightly different but most people would tell you that they've experienced shame and it isn't a pretty feeling um so she said the antidote to shame is self compassion so number one thing she said in her talks was to never ever 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 criticize yourself don't don't call yourself names um i know i used to call myself i'm idiot how can i do this and all that kind of <laughs> so especially if it was um especially if it was a big thing that i was trying to do like a job interview or if it was a big goal i was going for and i f- sort of achieved it but i kind of failed a little bit and maybe there's parts of it that i need to do or you know then immediately shame would become and then my perfectionism would go up now i also wanted to understand i also wanted to explain um sh- um when i did the research um especially you know research so many research so many recent research that has been done as recent as 2016 some in 2014 um they the the scientist suggests that um um perfectionism is a it's a genetic trade for some people for for others it's nurture for my own experience it was both my mother um 
my, my dad died when, when I was seven in 1989 so um but she was someone who was always a high achiever in anything she got married when she was young she just just one of those people that just seemed to push on you know and as as young as I like as young as seven I I remember noticing that it doesn't matter what I said to my mum you could literally call my mum and tell her that I have died and she would still be adamant that I have I have to arrive <laughs> at the party. Do you see what I mean? She's so extreme in in her perfectionism that um it's so rigid and when I was um so I'm quite lucky that I I didn't live with my mother from from 1990 um i came here she sent me to the uk because she thought it was a you know good education i would get a good education and a better life and also my father passed away in 89 so um the family dynamic sort of um had to be replanned reshuffled if you like so um so she sent me here to my auntie, her younger sister, and um, my auntie has um, perfectionism, but it's never to the degree of my mother. And um, and to this day, so when I um, to this day I could not for the life of me, I if you would say. I could go to the stars and collect literally the stars themselves and bring it to my mom and I could never please that woman. She could never even get even a small acknowledgement, you know, thank you for trying, I know you're trying or just any comment. Whenever I do get a comment, it's usually... um the fact that I didn't reach where it I should have reached. So example, one time, um, she needed some money and I told her, okay, and this is like a few years, I mean, this is like early 90s. I don't know when it was, um, let's see, 2002. And I was really working in this um, place and um, I lived with... Um, one of my friends so everything was um kind of cheap back then <laughs> anyway um so she sent i had a bit of, of money saved and she wanted something i don't know what was there to redecorate redecorate my house in somalia or something like that but she said she wanted 2000 and she wanted it today on that day and and not only that but if she if I could make it three it would be better otherwise she'll be disappointed in me and she gave me this long lecture and I remember just sitting um in one of the gardens um outside the building and then I was telling my friend I don't want to give her the <laughs> I mean I want to give her some money but not everything because if I do run into emergencies then I won't be able to back myself up you know 
and um so my my friend could see that and she's she um she just said look just try and send a thousand or whatever part you can and try and see if you can communicate with your mother but there's no point in communicating with her you'll get nowhere so whenever my mother acknowledges anything that i have done and this is just anything she would often far more comment on what i didn't do than what i've done even if i did something amazing even if i got gold stars in anywhere else in life she would comment on how long it took me to get those gold star then i've got the gold star do you see what i mean how perfectionism is very very extreme and i remember telling um one of my uncle that lives here in london and he told me once don't don't try and drive yourself crazy and die for that woman <laughs> and ever since then um i i've learned to just look at her for what she, for what she is but i've learned to not disturb my peace i i've learned that um not to uh, not to allow her to disturb my peace because i could die and come back tomorrow morning and that woman will still be there complaining there's no there's no saving that's the thing that's what my uncle said there is no saving of that one because she's not willing to change her rigidness and um if i i believe if i was somebody else um someone a lot more fragile my mother would have caused me mental health mental illness she would have brought about a mental illness because um how can you have such a parent and not be flawed yourself um so it's incredible um achievement and i think it's th- through my uncle and other family members who try to plea with her on my behalf so whenever i have difficulty with my mother i call my uncle and he calls her and he tells her what i could be saying but she won't accept it from me but he, she would be willing to listen because it's him so now we have that kind of communication when things become difficult he becomes my anchoring person that deals with her because th- there's no i feel like she's in a glass building that i that i have no access to her there's no way of me to explain without getting insults or without you know um without just feeling quite helpless you know and especially when you're a child i remember <clears throat> um a very difficult time when i was having a very difficult um period with with um with my auntie and my mother was no help at all to the point that actually i wasn't eating for good 6 months and i my period had stopped and so i had to have um an iron liquid iron um 
what is it syrup for good a few months just for for my body to you know uh for my red blood cells to gain enough um iron and so my <laughs> period can come back on you know and to start eating slowly and to um try and <clears throat> try and you know um heal the damage that was caused by my mother i mean when my father i mean i i have to say i did not i don't know if this would have happened if my father didn't die but um there was there to this day there is no acknowledgement of the damage my mother causes she only sees my reaction which is usually just to back up and then get my walls up and then to to communicate with her through other family members like my auntie or my uncle but she would never see the damage she's doing or has done for so long and that it would break um it would break or even drive anybody up the wall so i'm i'm rather pleased with myself that i've survived and that i've recognized um what she was doing but i also am very grateful that i have my uncle and my you know my other family members who intervene constantly this is on a monthly basis they intervene they speak to her on my behalf you know <clears throat> they become my voice even though i have a voice myself and i'm someone very very strong very um um like i can express myself very well in all other areas but when it comes to my mom because i think i recognized there's no way of getting around to this high standard just you know created i some other people have to intervene and <laughs> explain what i am trying to say to her to them so then they can tell her so this is i i'm saying all of this um i always like to share my own experiences um in this podcast because um you might be going through the same thing your child might be going through the same thing the parent is the first teacher if you like in in the household and if the parent is damaged or flawed in some way um that toxic damage flawedness would move on to the child or they would project it to the child now i don't know what's happened in her own life as far as i know <clears throat> she had her mom and dad until she you know 2002 and she was 46 you know so i don't know what why that um what what's created that that level of perfectionism but um it wasn't fair on her i mean it wasn't fair on me where she passes it on not only in genetics but also in nurture my mother displayed um or forever displays um 
perfectionism that I don't believe I could ever reach. Um, and it's so rigid. It doesn't give you time. It doesn't allow you space. And it certainly doesn't give you any um, any way of approaching it. Um, and uh, and also, she's adamant that she she's she's right and she's you know it is what it is sort of um con- like a mindset um but i i i am sharing all of this just to show you that um the amount of damage then what i do now is nobody can in my family and friends and even colleagues they cannot invite me to let's say a party or a lunch or lunch or or a dinner or anything without them letting me know especially if it's like a party or a wedding I need to know for a one month earlier because then I'll in my head I'm thinking I need to get an outfit I need to get a babysitter I need to um look good um it's it's control i like to i suppose what i'm trying to it's it's perfectionism i'm trying to i don't like to have a hair out of place and i get really angry with people if they visit me without letting me know the day before like why didn't you let me know not not that there's anything wrong but because this perfectionism was created when I was younger, I am I am having to live with it. So even something as small as a family member dropping by would set me off, and I would look at them like, well, "Why didn't you call me? You should have let me know that you were coming." And the person is a bit confused, like, "But yeah, you know, I was just in the area, and then in my head, I'm thinking, well, I would have cooked, and I would have, I don't know, I would have done things." Just let me know next time, and then, um, then I feel sorry for them for for putting them in that place. But the, later on, then I have to go back and explain to them. This is this is just my perfectionist side showing up, and there's nothing wrong with you coming in, and you you know, but just let me know so I'm not, I'm. Do you see what I mean? So everything is. Um, Everything revolves around that. Even if I go and drop the kids off to school, I have to look good. I have to ha- make the bed and make breakfast, and I have to. Do you see what I mean? It's it's a it's a self-imposed prison, and um, and then when I do achieve that, when I manage to do those things. The only things that I remember or notice is the things that didn't go well. Not what went well, but what didn't go well. Which was from my mother again. She only commented on the things that didn't go well. To this day, she would only comment on the fact that, you know, I don't know... um, the headscarf is not as red as the bag. <laughs> yeah, you see what I mean? Um, so because I... And then I'm naturally looking at 
the world as um it's 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 about um self evaluation now what i have to say it's not all bad what um happened is ever since i was listening i have been listening to louise hay there's been a change in behavior um i'm really good at diagnosing an issue that i have i don't shy away from it while i don't let the world know i do diagnose it myself or i would often recognize it myself um just by observing myself and um i never knew the the link between shame and and perfectionism i always thought being a perfectionist means you have high standards and you're uh you you know the the um the achievement of excellence is a noble soul or a noble venture i uh, i never knew that what fuels perfectionism is actually the fire under perfectionism is shame and blame and um unworthiness although um i've never had um unworthiness i've never felt i have to say i've never felt like um i'm not worth it because i had really good um other family members like grandparents who always told stories about my dad you know um and funny things he used to do or they would always tell me things that you look like him or um you have certain personality traits just like him or um they would often you know comment on how beautiful it is that i have those incredible brown curly hair um and somebody somewhere down the line has the most has the exact same brown eyes and you know our tribe is the best and our people are the best and so i was always nurtured that way so i didn't have a sense of shame uh, i mean i didn't have a sense of um i didn't have a sense of um unworthiness so i'm not enough i don't have that because that that was well nurtured and i only have shame because of my mother i could never live up to her standards this is why i have the shame that i do um i i do believe that she has it both in nurture and in nature um she does have it in her in her genetics because um it's it's a, it's it's so present in her life that she never puts it down 24 hours a day if you speak to my mother she would only comment on things that went wrong not things that went right and and same with me she never comments on what i did right or if i'm doing well or that no she would always comment on the things that i have failed to do haven't managed to do or have missed or didn't do or couldn't do or should have done and all of that and you know after a while you you forget to notice that she doesn't actually say anything positive or anything constructive and so when you when you're around 
um, a person like that. If I was around my mother, you know, um, let's say since the age of seven, yeah, I, I don't know what sort of a person I was. But luckily, I was sent here in 1990 and um, I, 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 I had the lucky fortune that I was not around her um, 24 hours a day. I think that would have drove me up the wall. And uh, so it's very important to diagnose yourself. It's very important to be aware what's fueling my perfectionism, and it and it's something that I now I have periods and periods of time where I where I appear to be healing and to be less uh, perfectionist. And you know, let's say if I didn't put the washing machine on that day or. If I didn't cook that day, I don't feel so bad. Um, but there are periods of time, um, maybe it's because of goals or whatever, where I feel very critical of myself. And that's all I notice all day, that I didn't do this and I should have done it. And oh my God. And then I remember what Louise Hay says, stop criticizing yourself, stop calling yourself's name and all of that so then I become then I practice now um, self-compassion so I always um, say good things I always notice the good that I do I notice um, um, <clears throat> I try and notice the things that well went well on that day let's say I had five things to do on that day then if I have achieved three I always make a very low expectation. So I always think if I achieve, let's say, two or three, I should be very happy. Whereas before, all five had to be achieved, even if it meant that I slept three o'clock in the morning. Sometimes I would sleep at six o'clock and drink coffee and go to work from there or go and, you know, go about my day. The And losing sleep for something used to be justified because well at least you would achieve it you know so the the the, the self-critical the the um, evaluation this constant evaluation you're doing on yourself is not good now I I tell myself I need my rest I need my quiet time um, it's okay that I haven't done lunch today and we can order something out. It's okay the washing machine isn't on because we're going to put it on tomorrow. And, you know, I sort of like, um, uh, I, what's the word? Um, I am, I'm looking for a word like, um, um, I don't know what the word is, but I'm sort of like um, managing the tasks with myself. It's almost like there's two people there and one is apologizing and the other one is not. <laughs> um, so I try and notice the good that, I, that, I, um, that I've done that day. I've noticed um, 
so I will say things like I'm not feeling well today and that's okay because we're not going to do too much and we're going to you know take it easy and um but I also um take my I also practice mindfulness where I notice um the flowers or I notice the fresh air or the wind or the there's less traffic on the road or maybe there's traffic on the road and but I start appreciating things like you know how lucky I am that I am alive today and um so many others have not woken up today for whatever reason and I try and sort of um take my mind away from this constant evaluation it's almost like having a report card given by myself every hour of every day for I don't know how long but the great thing is ever since I've been listening to Louise Hay I've been healing I've been um, a lot more compassionate with myself a lot more kinder Um, I don't criticize myself anymore I certainly don't call myself names Um, I don't think I ever constantly call myself names it was only periods where I felt like I wasn't reaching the target that I've set myself now I also know um, many I know one um, famous actor and what killed him was you know um, the perfectionism that he couldn't maintain um, and and he had other complex issues but um mostly um the perfectionism was um something that was kind of dominant in his um in his death and how um how he couldn't maintain certain things that was really out of his control so things like public opinion um how successful a film becomes um even though it's well made sometimes the the luck is not on the side of the film so it doesn't bring in the box office ratings or money that it, it should have do you see what i mean so also the other thing i wanted to say was um i've also started practicing a lot of stoic um concepts now stoic um the stoic concepts are um very simple it's also very um very easy to do and it's also universal so the the stoic concepts looks at um it looks at what we can control ourselves and the things we cannot control so namely um people's opinions of you um especially of those public i mean people in the public high or the celebrities rather they have no control over that um but we also don't have any control over that um what's the other one the um your aging you have no control over that no you can try your best you know with with supplements and a great diet and sleep early and all that stuff you can do all of that but um remember the concept of aging it's actually 
um, that you get more wisdom as time goes on, and it's it's less focus on on the the wrinkles and the gray hair and whatever it is that aging contains. <laughs> um, so the other one is um, the other one that Stoics principles deal with is. Um, and it's a big one. It's a big one, and it's it's for all of us as well. Um, it's um, putting your value as a human being, putting your value in um, in achievement. So even Louise Hay talks about this. She says um, we have this concept that only when I get the boyfriend or the husband. Or when I lose weight, or when I get a new job, or the new apartment, will I be happy? And before that, even if it's like 10 years time, I will not be so complete. We need to leave the notion of, um, I'm not going to exist, because it's it's a violation. Um, when you look at it, it's a violation, because... Um, what happens till you achieve this thing let's say the the husband and you've got the boyfriend already but let's say he wants to get married not now but in 10 years that that means you're going to be miserable for 10 years and you might die within that 10 years um or it might be the job that you're working towards let's say you're studying to be a lawyer now and you're going to be achieving it in four years you're going to be miserable for four years do you see what I mean? It's a violation of your existence because um, uh, until then you don't exist or you don't acknowledge your existence. And this is something that even Louise Hay says. Um, it is a violation because n till then what? What happens? Well, nothing. You neglect the self. Um, instead of Instead of peacefully working towards the goal but being happy and whole and this whole concept you know people created that I am only complete when I am married or when I have the job or when I'm skinny or when I have the apartment or whatever it is is wrong we are always even when we were in the caves and didn't have a, a single shelter and we were naked until we killed the next cheetah to cover ourselves with <laughs> I'm not even sure if cheetahs existed that time <laughs> but you know what I mean um when we did we when we were in the caves or in the desert world where I'm from in you know small how you know in Somalia they had um they used to have like a tree houses and they used to have like uh, because it used to be like uh, uh, almost like a f forest it used to have these rivers um, and then they used to have these stilts that are holding up these um, um, that are holding up these sort of like tree houses are uh, like way up high on the trees and Everything below those stilts used to be greenery and lots of water or rivers. 
So, um, see, when, even when we were like really, really basic and we didn't have our pearls and diamonds and jobs and cars and Gucci and whatever it is that we have now, TVs and washing machine and <laughs> even when we didn't have anything to our name, but just our name, um, there was still value in the human being that's what i'm trying to that's the point i'm trying to get across you when when we assigned our value and our worthness our worthness i think that's right um our worth to when we tie it to the success then we are in trouble because if we don't succeed that means we're not worthy and then the vicious cycle continues where you feel shame, blameworthy, guilty. And because it's so so dreadful to feel those things, you go up and set up uh, even a bigger um, expectation or a bigger goal. And then the constant cycle of not being able to achieve it or you just missed it or you haven't quite got there yet and then the worthlessness and the shame and the guilt all of it then you feel it again and do you, do you see the cycle so you're constantly in this cycle um cycle of um shame and perfectionism uh, do you see what i mean so the fueling fire of perfectionism is shame and once you recognize that but in order to derail shame you must be compassionate and you must sort of um, not only practice self-compassion and kindness but you must also do realistic goals that are attainable to you now there's no point I, I always use this concept but there's no point giving a bicycle to a paralyzed person they're never going to use it um, or giving an iPad to a blind person, although they could hear, you know. Um, so the function has to fit in with the person. Equally, you cannot have um, really, I'm not saying like put your goals down. I'm saying allow, if it's a very big thing, like, I don't know, getting married, which is not most of the time in our hands, um or something like that or you're trying to do a psychology course which takes many years have you noticed all psychologists that i have ever seen are very old Matt, just to study it takes forever let alone the certificate and you know so i have never seen a psychologist that's under 50 never they always have to it's it's a it's a journey they have to pass this in order to get that they have to do this experience or work in order to get that by the time they've done all of that they're literally pensioners <laughs> um so everything takes time especially something like that a lawyer or something like that you know it takes an incredible amount of wealth and effort in your part. And because it takes all that time, um, you need to have a relaxed approach to it 
and try and live while you're trying to attain it. What we were always taught is don't live until you get it. Then you waste all your life away. Imagine if you don't, if it takes you 10 to 20 years to um, achieve a goal. And there's your 60 years completely wasted. What the hell were you doing every day? <laughs> but remember, um, and even, uh, <clears throat> um, what's his name? Some motivational Indian motivational speaker was saying, um, he said there's faults in everything. He was saying, he was talking about monks in this instant. And he said, they, some monks that he was, when he went to India some period of time and he used to live in this temple and maybe he wanted to get some sort of enlightenment. And so it, he said, he he noticed that the monks was so adamant that when they're walking down the street in a in a village that they would have to look down and not look up because god forbid if they look up there might be a naked woman somewhere not naked but you know there might be a woman <laughs> and therefore you know it kicks off their temptation or whatever um and he noticed that they never looked up, whether it was raining, whether birds were singing, whether it was, they were near a mountain or a lake or the sun was out or it wasn't out or um, whether just any anything like they just never seemed to look up. And that's a flaw because um if you don't look up and notice the sunshine and the birds and the nature and, and the rain and whatever it is, um, you're not living and you, that moments or days or years pass you by and therefore you don't learn or you don't notice or you don't live. And remember what the... Um, the what are they called spiritual people have always i think philosophers historians have all agreed we only live in this moment that we're in and not in the future and not the past as we left it so since nobody is living in this moment well then you're not living at all you're just breathing until you're dead <laughs> um Anyway, that's that's a bit of a topic that um, that's the kind I mean that the the kind of um, experience that I wanted to give you about um, what fuels shame and or what fuels perfection, which is shame, and and uh, and how to sort of go about combating it or healing from it slowly. Um, until next time, um, I'll speak to you soon. Okay, bye-bye.